Welcome to the Shadron Berean Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Justin, and today is March 2nd. 2022 and hallelujah that it's March we made it through another January and February I am as excited as could be I don't know what it is but this year I am just struggling with winter and I could not be happier to see a 68 degree day out there and uh, that ice melting on the ponds on my way into town I am ready for a for a suntan and the beach, just to be honest with you. So, uh, anyway, uh, I've got today for us a little something different. I usually do a short, shorter devotional, but uh, my devotional this week turned into a four-page article on what I call the social injustice movement. Okay, uh something we've been seeing uh, a little more so than usual the past couple of years, especially the summer of 2020 with George Floyd and uh, all of that. Uh, this And the reason why this comes up, why I've, I've chosen to write on this is because we, <laughs> we just need it. Uh, I kind of I want to be a, a little bit like Ezekiel, a watchman who can see some of the things that are coming down the road and uh, be able to speak up, say something about it, okay? Uh, and, uh, you know, if people ignore it, that's fine. But uh, I hope I hope that as Christians, uh, we can heed the warning signs of what's really going on behind this social injustice movement. I really do. Uh, as a pastor, I see to it as, as my job, as a watchman, to, to call these things out, when I see them, when I see evil being done in the name of good, and uh, basically people becoming indifferent or uh, maybe even completely opposite of uh, not understanding what evil and good are in our society anymore. So uh, anyway, this the, the reason why this came up also is because this Sunday morning we talked about true justice. A justice is giving others their due in regards to or in relation to punishment protection and care okay true justice not showing partiality uh, uh, true justice does not treat individuals or groups of people with preconceived judgment or hostility based on externals like their skin color that sort of thing but uh, true justice applies the law equally and without partiality and in a fallen world where people are often mistreated for various reasons, where there, where there is systemic racism, uh, we long for the day where there is true and biblical justice being carried out consistently and promptly. Like Martin Luther King Jr., we look to a day when people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Not the color of their skin, but the content of their color, character. Sorry, uh, Justice is one of those words that we must be careful to define. It, it's a word that must be carefully defined because it can become a politically charged word to mean anything but true biblical justice. It's, again, also a relevant term because... We've seen a social justice movement sweep our country the past couple of years. I have uh, no doubt 
that some good came out of the recent movement that uh, George Floyd's death sparked. Uh, I have no doubt that some good came out of this movement as a result of well-intentioned people, people who really care. But what's important to understand is that the Marxist radicals heading this movement up and causing all of the discontentment do not have the same definitions we do for good and evil. And this should be of great concern because when a group doesn't have the proper definitions of good and evil, it, not biblical definitions, it can end up punishing the righteous in its form of justice while protecting and providing for the unrighteous. Okay, Many radical influencers in our society are doing just that. For example, there is legislation being passed in our country, and believe it or not, even in our own state capital of Lincoln, Nebraska, that threatens to fine any resident up to $50,000 for counseling teens in biblical terms, saying things like there's only two genders and you should not get a uh, sex reassignment surgery, things of that nature. And what, what's the name of this bill? It's called the Fairness Ordinance. The Fairness Ordinance. It, does it sound fair to you? One group's views of unbiblical sexuality are applauded while anyone with biblical views are being banned or punished into silence. They're being canceled. It's cancel culture. Okay, so so much for freedom and uh, freedom of speech and of religion. Anyone who would pervert justice like this are, in my opinion, and in the words of Acts 11.17... Standing in the Lord's way. That's what they're doing. They're standing in the Lord's way and by standing for social injustice in the name of social justice. It's completely backwards. Completely backwards. And this is a dangerous place to be when the Lord, who is perfectly just, will judge these people based on his standards of morality. I have no doubt that the original civil rights movement wanted equal rights for all men. But today's social justice movement has taken it so far that men are not equal anymore. They're not. We would never deny that systemic racism is a real problem that exists in, in various uh, places today, institutions, something like that. Uh, we wouldn't deny that there isn't work to be done. But the reality is that minorities have long been stigmatized as inherently oppressed victims and given special privileges that t that others don't have through s social programs so take let me let me give you an example two high school kids one white and one a minority let's say they there's 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 one that's white one minority and they both grow up in the same neighborhoods they have similar conditions uh, they bring in the same amount of money they apply to the same university but the, the, the minority is lazy and irresponsible. They're a lazy and irresponsible student, and they, and, and, but when they apply to the university, they get accepted. While the white student who has worked very hard to pay for college and get good grades doesn't get accepted. Why? Simply because of his ethnicity, the color of his skin. And this kind of stuff happens all the time. Uh, if you're a minority, you get a cut in front of the line. They, they have to accept a certain amount of colored people into the university or, or on the fire department or whatever it is. This is not just, is it? Is this really fair? 
Rather than treating people according to their character, they're, we've started treating people according to the color of their skin, and thus we are showing partiality. The trouble is that the special privileges, too, uh, actually only bring slavery and enablement to an irresponsible lifestyle much of the time. This is a tragedy. Uh, socialist programs, they tend to create more problems than they solve, creating dependency while failing to remove the class distinctions, and instead they enhance them. And all you have to do is look at some of our reservations today. They do not remove problems. They create problems. And these systems, though, are allowed to go on and on and on because we've labeled colored people as inherently oppressed while at the same time labeled white people, especially cisgender, cisgender males, as inherently oppressive. We've stigmatized them with white guilt and white privilege, and that's why this thing goes on and on and on. Things that took place in a generation we have nothing to do with go on and on and on. Because people are scared of being called a bigot. They're scared of being called a racist. They have white guilt and white privilege heaped on top of them. But what? think about this. What could be more racist than judging an entire group of people like whites based on the color of their skin? What's more racist than that? Than judging an entire group of people based on the color of their skin? Isn't heaping shame and guilt and reparations on top of people for something they didn't do injustice it's incredibly unjust in the social justice movement reparations which is like de demanding some form of payment for past wrongs uh, like slavery these all these are are greed in disguise they're greed and they're in disguise they're 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 an excuse to be irresponsible in the day that we're living today the victimizing and the shaming becomes a tool to use for power and an excuse that keeps many from being responsible and productive citizens. What could solve this cycle of oppression and reparation? And we'll answer that shortly. But if you want more on this topic, well, well I'd, I'd suggest, uh, Lutzer suggests reading Shelby Steele's book, White Guilt, How Blacks and Whites Together Have Destroyed the Promise of the Civil Rights Era. But uh, what, man, what this man-centered and radical social justice does is it makes government the God and the Savior that is somehow going to usher in a utopian existence where everyone has equal opportunity and equal outcome. And this is a Marxist idea uh, that the, the, to give the state control to distribute to everyone equally. So, like, think about this. Your doctor's making the same amount of money as the janitors, okay, regardless of who they are, what, you know, schooling involved, all that stuff. So um, that seems crazy, doesn't it? It does. However, we would do well to remember that God, in opposition to this whole Marxist idea where everyone has equal opportunity and outcome and we're all just a bunch of cookie-cutter people, um, remember God loves equality but not at the expense of diversity, yeah, he does not want a cookie-cutter world where everyone is equal in every way. He designed us with incredible diversity of looks, desires, talents, gifts, resources, roles, and more. I mean, he did not at all intend 
uh, even in a perfect world, to create some wretched, disillusioned, predictable, dystopia world where everyone has equal outcomes and opportunities in every area of life through state control. Who would want that anyway? I don't think people are thinking through what this reality would really be like. It sounds good on the surface, but when you stop to consider it, it's impossible, it's tasteless, and it's morally offensive. Life is way too complex for that sort of system. Uh, we should seek to foster equal opportunity, yes, but as Erwin Lutzer says, anyone who thinks that the state or the government can accomplish such equality doesn't understand humanity, and they don't understand history, and really all what they want, all they really want is power. That's what they want. They want power over the people. Diversity is a beautiful thing when it operates within a moral and just society. The church itself, think about this, how God designed the church. It is, it's likened to a human body that has all sorts of different body parts that rely on one another. Some are stronger, Paul says, some are weaker. Some are more presentable, some are less presentable. And this is also that the body can learn to care for each other. It was designed this way. And so to, to go into this equal opportunity and equal outcome mindset would be to remove that sense of learning to care for one another. It would remove that complexity. It's, it's the same in the world. And the hope of the gospel, guys, is uh, on a new heaven and a new earth. This is, this is not going to be a place where, where everyone has the same gender. Everybody loses their ethnicities. Everybody loses their cultural differences. Guys, on the new heaven and new earth, like the ultimate hope of the gospel, those things don't cease. Okay, we still have differences. We still have different personalities and genders and ethnicities. This is a place known for diversity and unity at the same time that beautifully, again, it's going to beautifully picture God's ability to restore humanity and all walks of life. We can dwell together in perfect unity and diversity. Distinctions do not have to result in division. Actually, they're designed to bring unity and care for one another. Revelation 21 describes even this. In the New Jerusalem, uh, nations and kings bringing their glory into the New Jerusalem. This tells us these sort of diverse qualities of humanity are going to go on. We're not going to get rid of them. And God never intended to. Contrary to true social justice, again, or contrary to true justice, the social justice movement is actually teaching and reinforcing people to judge others based on the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. We need to understand so these legislation out the legislation out there like the Equality Act and philosophies like the critical race theory, uh, going by the you know the shorter definition abbreviation CRT, um, these are an antithetical to Christianity. Antithetical to Christianity. The Equality Act would force, think about this, it would force employers to hire people based on their external or preferred identity. Okay, and this is uh, this is going to go through through all walks of life, okay? Uh, uh, every every institution is what they would love to see this happen and even in churches I have to hire in our church if we're going to hire a pastor, got to have a gay pastor, got to have a black person, got to have whatever. So I don't even look for qualifications. I'm looking first for a certain uh, represented class of people, right? So is, this is exactly what President Joe Biden did this last week when he nominated Katanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court of the United States. He claimed that he chose her, this candidate, 
because she had the strongest credentials, record, character, and dedication to the rule of law. Guys, um, this is untrue because she apparently is, is a woke person that will go with her woke ideas over the law at times. And how, how will any of us, including Jackson herself, the nominee, ever know if this is true or not? How are we going to know if she is the one who is qualified to fill this position? She won't know when we know. We won't know because he limited his search for a nominee to a specific race and a specific gender, specifically a black woman. And I love what, loved what Jordan Peterson said. He said, you limit, he commented on uh, whoever runs Joe Biden's Twitter account. This is what he said. You eliminated the vast majority of qualified candidates from consideration. And it's thereby virtually certain, technically, that you failed to pick the strongest candidate. See, this is where CRT leads people to pick and choose people, not because they're qualified, but because they represent a certain people group or identity. Put yourself in the shoes of an employer right now. And some of you guys are employers who are listening. Uh, you're an employer okay, under the Inequality Act, as I would like to call it, Inequality Act, and you're looking to hire someone for your company that you love, that you have, you, you know, blood, sweat, and tears that you've poured into this company, and it's a great blessing to people. If if you're if you're like the majority of people, and I don't I don't care if in this example you're a Christian or not, you're just like the majority of people. You care you could care less what the color of their skin is. You're gonna go out. And you're going to hire someone based on their integrity, based on their character, based on their history, based on their desire to work for your company and their ability to do the job well. You want employees who do well, employees who are going to love your company so that you can bless them when it does well, right? You want your company to do well, and that depends on who you hire, okay? It's not, and it's not just for you. It's so that you can be generous. It's, it's maybe so that you can improve your employee's lifestyle. It's so that you can improve your community through voluntary philanthropy, okay? You want to do things for the world. You want to use your business for good, okay? But CRT is a deceptive tool that's going to keep you from that, okay? It's, it's, it's designed. This sort of thing is designed to overthrow existing structures through never-ending cycles of oppression and and. And it's, and it's done through guilt and shame for power to bring about change. They use guilt and shame for power to bring about the change. And, the, and really what they're out to change is America's foundation. Judeo-Christian foundation, values, family, morality, that sort of thing. The diehard progressives are out there that are crying for justice really do not want solutions. They just want to overthrow anything that is Judeo-Christian. They do. It's demonic. I have no doubt about it. Look at Marx. Study Karl Marx's life. Uh, he was no doubt demonically influenced. These guys want to stir up hate. They want to stir up discontentment to use it to their advantage. Saul Alinsky, this guy was a famous radical community organizer in Chicago who dedicated his his book, Rules for Radicals, he dedicated this book to Lucifer. This is what he said. He said, don't solve problems, use them. 
is somebody who was working for him came to him with all of these ideas that had ways they could um, solve some of the social issues in Chicago. And he says, don't. You don't don't solve these problems, these social problems. Use them. Okay, with an agenda like that, no wonder racism never ends. They don't want it to end. They just want to transform America fundamentally. Erwin Lutzer, who who wrote a book called We Will Not Be Silenced, and I encourage you to get that book, pick it up and read it, or get it on Audible and listen to it. Uh, my wife and I did that back in, oh, what was it? I think it was uh, last March, this time of year. We went out to the Ark Encounter in Kentucky, another <laughs> recommendation of mine. Um, but we listened to that book on our way back from the Ark Encounter, way out there and back. And Anyway, he, Erwin Lutzer wrote this. He said, the label on the box, social justice, does not match the contents inside. The label might say social justice, but when you open the box, you find something different. It's like opening a box of Cheerios, right? And you look inside and it's, kicks or something different. The label might say social justice. You open the box, you find something different. You discover that it's about deconstructing everything in society and seeking to overthrow the existing order. It's about a grab for power. It's about social injustice. The social justice world that we've come to know enslaves people in cycles of oppression for a reason. They, they never bring up, I don't know if you've noticed this, you probably did in that 2000, oh, that summer of 2020, but they never brought up mercy and forgiveness, right? When they were going around to different restaurants and places uh, demanding that people apologize and bow the knee, there was, no, there was no mercy or forgiveness there, only bowing the knee and confessing and making reparations. Okay? Their, their tyrannical symbol is a fist, after all. The cycle never stops because there is always an oppressed group. And I asked the question earlier, what could end this cycle? Forgiveness and moving on while treating others without partiality could end the cycle. Forgiveness, showing no partiality like the civil rights movement really wanted. While imperfect and deceitful radicals, think about this, while imperfect and deceitful radicals demand justice and refuse to offer mercy and forgiveness, the perfect God of holiness, perfect justice, impartially offers to every human being forgiveness through his own sacrifice on the cross. He took the justice that we deserved upon himself and paid our endless reparations. Okay, only the self-sacrificial love, forgiveness, and mercy of the cross can satisfy God's perfect justice, allowing sinners to be reconciled to him. I think our society needs to learn from the cross. If we really want the peaceful social condition, conditions that we long for, less fists and more forgiveness. Wow, the difference between a fist and a cross. As Christians, we should be more concerned about ideas and character rather than identity representation. Okay, ideas have consequences. God gave to his church, I think, the ideas rather than the realities 
that would best solve our world's cries for social justice. And I've got three of them here for us. The first one is that we need to remember every person is made in the image of God. Every person is made in the image of God. Contrary to Darwin's theory of evolution, which true Marxists must hold to and do, where certain ethnicities are more evolved or more advanced than others, the Bible teaches we're all inherently valuable because we're all created in God's image. Not one race or ethnicity is more evolved than others, like Darwin taught. Darwin taught that black people were less evolved than the whites. On top of that, Genesis adds that we all have the same parents, Adam and Eve, regardless of our skin color. This is why I think ethnicism is a better term to use than racism. There's only one human race, but there's many ethnicities that have come from the same Adam and Eve. Hitler, think about this. Hitler used, oh, what an idea evolution is. What a destructive idea. Hitler used evolution to convince an entire generation that Jews were nothing more than mere animals. And the consequences of this idea? Well, six million Jews lost their lives, and there were more on top of that. It's not considered murder that is punishable by law if they're not human, right? The story has it that when the Allied, Allied troops were closing in on Hitler's bunker in Berlin, he took a cyanide pill to avoid justice being served to, to him. However, in so doing, he only entered into the presence of the just judge who will not see things the way he did. Unlike Hitler, God does consider the murder of Jews as murder. The killing of Jews as murder while well, he didn't, while it was legal in Germany. As long as we teach this kind of stuff, like evolution, I'm convinced we have no hope of su successfully curbing systemic racism or suicide or abortion. Yeah, this is such a confused generation that we live in that at the same time it... While, while trying to uphold the dignity of man by saying that black lives matter, or even all lives matter, we would at the same time ingrain in the minds of our youth that they are a purposeless evolutionary accident, the result of random chance processes on natural matter only, that they're not even a spiritual being. It, what a great lie to feed every, every young person. No wonder they, they wind up so confused and suicidal. No wonder we have no respect for life. Guys, this, this has to change. This is something we have to fight for. Science itself will tell you that life is too complex to be an accident. Darwin had no idea of molecular life, but we've made it down to the base form of life, molecules and, you know, the cell, and we've learned that, the, that man is not made up of just random weird gel that Dar Dar Darwin thought man was made out of. I mean, even the little tiny cell is a complex machine made up of several parts, and, and nothing can explain it other than a creator God. The truth is that all people of every age, gender, and ethnicity have inherent value from the cradle to the wheelchair.
They're all valuable. They all have worth because they're made in God's image. Before the flood, Noah's day society was so corrupt and murderous that uh, after the flood, God instituted capital punishment, okay, which is justifiable only on this fact that man is made in God's image. He said, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. That's the reason. That's the impetus for shedding man's blood, who sheds another man's blood. It's because he killed somebody that was made in the image of God. Capital punishment will keep murderers, the the rate of murder down because the murderers who potential murderers would see murderers uh, being held accountable. Uh, They would see justice being served on a murderer, and so less people would murder. I mean, it's so simple. So simple. The main purpose of government, Romans 13 says, is to punish evil. To punish evil. And to condone what is good. It bears the authority, it bears the sword to do that, to punish evil and to condone good. That's the purpose of government. If that's all they did, that would be great. That would be fantastic. And if they had biblical definitions of good and evil, how blessed would we be if we had a government that just did that? That would be awesome. Well, Force. Force is necessary to carry out justice, though, sometimes. As in the case of the murderer. It's important to remind ourselves of what Paul said. Here's what Paul said, ultimately. Our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood. Remember, remember, ideas have consequences, is what he's saying here. Our struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and powers against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. You know, these these are spiritual, this is demonic stuff we're talking about here. These are our real enemies. These are the ones coming up with Marxism. These are the ones coming up with evolution and feeding it to our kids, even though it's bunk, like just doesn't make any sense at all. It's bogus. Paul says, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to to destroy strongholds. He's talking about lies that are in our minds. We destroy these these, these lies in our minds with the truth of God's word, like we're made in God's image, all of us. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Guys, ideas have consequences, and that's our war. We let us war against harmful ideas with the truth of God's word. Secondly, every person is someone for whom Christ died. Every person is someone for whom Christ died. John 3.16, the Christian's anthem, says that God so loved the world, the world, that he gave his only begotten son. So that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't just die for one group or another group. He died for the world. He offers forgiveness to all. If they will hear and believe, they'll have new and eternal life. Christ's sacrifice, this is why this is important. This is how it translated into our, into our lives. Uh, Christ's sacrifice for the sins of the world 
compels us to care for people and show them the same undeserved treatment that we've been shown. If Jesus died for the world, by, by golly, we ought to see to it that we're caring for, the, for everyone, right? So if by social justice we're talking about a moral obligation to care for the less fortunate individuals, we as Christians, I think we should be for it all. We should be for it all. God commands us through our own volunteerism to care for the truly needy. Christians should put social programs to shame. Sometimes caring for the needy, though, this means giving them strong medicine, I think, and tough love if they're lazy and negligent. Second Thessalonians talks about this, Second Thessalonians 3, 6 through 12. However, when, when people are truly disadvantaged, we should be anxious to help. I've got that in bold letters in, our, in, our, in, in the uh, article I wrote. We should be anxious to help because Christ gave himself to redeem a, for himself a people who are zealous for good deeds, that they're good, that are good and profitable for their fellow man. There's several references to good deeds in Titus. This is what he created us for, or uh, redeemed us for, so that we'd be a we'd be a, a people who is who is zealous to to help out their fellow man. And to my Shadronbury and church family, this is again part of the way that we bear fruit. Countless times, God emphasizes throughout His Word how we should take special note to care for impoverished people, the uh, widows, orphans, foreigners, that sort of thing. Those sort of people. And the second greatest commandment after all is love your neighbor as yourself. The third reason I've got, third idea is to remember this, every person needs a new heart. Every person needs a new heart. What man needs most is, is a new heart that is born again, by the Holy Spirit. Guys, ultimately, we don't have a skin problem. We have a sin problem. We have a sin problem. Ethnicism is the result of pride in the sinful human heart, and nothing has the power to uproot that pride like the gospel, which says you cannot be good enough. You have to have Christ's righteousness. The gospel roots out the pride in us, the religious heart, the proud heart, the, the heart that longs for power, makes us into servants, basically. This means that we need to share the gospel with folks who don't know Christ. Those who know infinite and undeserved mercy and grace and love and forgiveness are more likely to extend that to others. So, just to recap, every person is made in the image of God. Every person is someone for whom Christ died, and every person needs a new heart. Guys, if you want more information on this and what's going on in our culture with the social injustice movement, uh, please pick up that book by Lutzer, Erwin Lutzer, called We Will Not Be Silenced. Again, it's a great resource and uh, can help you give, give you some, some perspective into what's going on these days. And uh, until Christ returns to execute perfect justice, may God give us wisdom and grace to stand for true justice in this unjust world.